Greetings all and welcome to the Courageous Path podcast with me, Rachel Horton White and Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. You can learn more about me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com and don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast here to get the latest interviews as they come up. I am an intuitive coach, spiritual teacher, and writer. I work with people searching to uncover who they really are and what they're meant to be doing. Merging the spiritual with the everyday through thoughts, emotions, and energy, I support people like you to break through stuck patterns and find your true inner self. I hope you enjoy today's interview. I'm so excited today to share another interview with Thomas McPherson. His first interview was one of the most listened to that I've done. So in this interview with Thomas, he talks more about how he created financial freedom in his life, how he found his bliss. He did something, believed in and trusted himself, didn't necessarily listen to what everyone else was telling him, was aware of his thoughts, understood what lessons he had to learn, learned from failure, experimented, and understood that manifesting takes time. I am thrilled to share this interview on fear, courage, taking risks, and experiencing both failure and success with Thomas McPherson, who happens to be my brother-in-law, a real estate entrepreneur, base jumper, and a veteran of the U.S. Navy who served in Iraq. Thomas is a visionary seeking to help heal the planet through sustainable development powered by 100% renewable energy. He is currently working on one of the first electric vehicle ride-sharing programs in the U.S., as well as a hydroponic edible landscape on a development project in Phoenix, Arizona. Thomas is co-founder and director of acquisitions within the overall investment strategy for Phoenix Private Capital Group. He began his real estate career as a broker with Sperry Van Ness. After winning the National Sperry Van Ness Rookie of the Year Award, Thomas was quickly recruited by Hendricks and Partners. While a broker, Thomas focused on the acquisition and disposition of distressed multifamily properties and non-performing loans in the Phoenix area. During the recent economic downturn, Thomas formed several key partnerships to help capitalize on the numerous opportunities in the marketplace. Since 2009, Thomas has been an active principal in the purchase, repositioning, and sale of over 20 assets in Maricopa County, Arizona. Prior to his real estate career, Thomas spent five years serving our country in the U.S. Navy, including multiple overseas deployments. Thomas is an outdoor enthusiast, spending his time rock climbing, skydiving, base jumping, or hiking. He has been involved in numerous charities and volunteer work, including Wounded Warriors, Boys Hope, Girls Hope, Arizona, and Phoenix Parks and Recreation Department. Thomas currently lives in Costa Rica with his wife, Joanna, who happens to be my sister. Hope you enjoy this interview. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Absolutely fantastic. Great. Well, it is a pleasure to be talking with you again for our second interview. Yes, thank you. And we last interview, last interview you were standing on a mountaintop. Or yeah. a big rock. Big, a big cliff face in Sedona, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're in Maine in the dead of winter. <laughs> a little bit different, but yes, yeah, equally yeah. awesome. So thank you for sharing your time with us, with me and with others today. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about um, 
your life to where you are now. You've, when we last talked, you've, you've gotten married to my sister. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Couldn't be happier. You're moving to Costa Rica and you're building a house, which is almost done, and um, working on a lot of other real estate investment projects, mm-hmm. including, you know, I'll let you talk about that, but I would love to hear, you know, as much as you want to share. How did you get to this place in your life where you and you're living a life of financial freedom and yeah. is it fair to say a spiritual spiritual life? <laughs> I, I, I uh, <laughs> attempt to live a spiritually enlightened life, I think as many of us do, and that's a that's a constant practice. Yes, well just for us all. Yeah. Um, but could I think for many people, you know, you are somebody who when people will look hear about you, they people would love to be where you are. But I think a lot of people don't see how to get there. So sure. could you share a little about your life and sure, how you've gotten sure. there? Well, I, I would say I lived a pretty typical, uh, you know, middle class, lower middle class, middle class um, American life um, for the first part of my life. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, my parents actually were, were separated. They divorced when I was a fairly young child. So I had a little bit of um, adversity in that capacity growing up. Spent a lot of time with my grandparents, which was a really good influence in hindsight, uh, having that multi-generational rearing, as well as some of the wisdom and experience that comes with grandparents. Um, but again, typical Americana life. You know, I graduated high school and, and swung the bat at uh, going to uh, you know school after that. Didn't work out, wasn't really my course, which was fine. I was a little immature. I didn't know what, what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. And... Um, uh, 9-11 had just happened, so I decided that I would uh, join the military and, and serve for five years. Um, my specialty in the military was uh, emergency medicine. Uh, I was stationed with an infantry Marine Corps uh, battalion out of Camp Pendleton, and uh, I did that for five years. It was a really good experience. It matured me. Um, you know, Some of the things I saw and did uh, were really, really fun. They were also uh, incredibly trying and they mature you quickly you know I did uh, combat tours to Iraq um, as well as Southeast Asia which was pretty fun mm-hmm. um, but the Iraq tour was you know I was still a teenager I was 19 overseas in combat situations um, and I saw firsthand what conflict is and what that means and that's I think part of part of the um, propellant if you will that really pushed me to want to uh, continue to serve uh, those that maybe a are, are in need or um, b just can't can't quite you know fend for themselves the the innocent or the weak and so I, I did that for five years uh, and then when I got out I was really kind of a lost uh, you know lost person I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be and so I, I took a little bit of time off I did some soul searching I actually went on a road trip from uh, where I grew up in Missouri. Uh, through Denver and Salt Lake up through Seattle and Canada to Alaska Hmm. and I took a summer off and went to Alaska I did some hitchhiking which I wouldn't recommend for everybody you know I'm a fairly big guy I'm six foot two and um, I can handle my own to a certain degree but uh, you met I met some of the most amazing people that had profound influences on me here were Hmm. here were people that for absolutely no uh, benefit or gain were giving me a ride or food or shelter or letting me stay the night. Um, and seeing these people just give with, with absolutely no expectation of receiving, 
um, started to impact me. You know, I, I grew up again in Missouri, uh, born south of, uh, um, uh, just south of Springfield, Missouri, in a fairly red state at the time, in a conservative family in St. Louis, which had its own set of, uh, uh, you know, issues, a lot of racial tension and undertones. And, um, you know, that time uh, that I took for myself and that time in the military being overseas and seeing conflict really started to shift my perception. You know, I, I used to think that the world existed in, in two colors and that was black and white uh, and everything was black. And if it wasn't black, it was white. Whereas now I realize that those, those black and white colors exist in the almost infinitesimal ends of the scale uh, and almost everything else in between is, is some shade of gray. Uh, you know, it's all grayscale. And so, you know, going on this, this trip, this adventure, I, I kind of decided that I wanted to uh, get invested in real estate. And the reason for that was um, I had been reading books on financial, you know, freedom and independence and literacy for many years, ever since I was a teenager, because, you know, I grew up again in a, in a middle class uh, family. We, we didn't necessarily want for food or shelter, but we did want for what you might consider, quote, the nicer things in life. And frequently it was, it was said to me, well, we don't have the money or we can't afford that. And so what, what that did in my brain, at least that associated um, money with, with what I really wanted, which was freedom. Yeah. And I think that's what everybody wants is, is not necessarily to be rich. They just want freedom, freedom of time, freedom of movement, mm -hmm. uh, freedom to do the things in life that they really enjoy. And so I, I decided that I was going to pursue financial independence uh, initially through, through stock market trading. I, was, uh, I, I did my best to be a day trader, and I had some fantastic, great success for about six weeks. Really? <laughs> Just six weeks? Yeah, a whole six weeks. I, turned, <laughs> I, turned some, I borrowed some money um, from actually several banks. Um, I borrowed money. I was 23. Uh, and I turned that borrowed $30,000 into about $150,000 in six weeks. That's amazing. And yeah, it was, it was you know, it was truly, uh, I don't even like this term, but it was truly dumb luck because I wasn't a savvy, sophisticated investor. I didn't have a background in finance. I just thought that I could do it. And so I tried and uh, I wound up making a bunch of money and then very promptly losing all of that $150,000 and I actually wound up owing people about $80,000. Wow. So um, I wouldn't recommend the stock market for a vast majority of, of individuals. Unless you live in New York, you live on Wall Street and you're involved in the day-to-day, -day, uh, real excuse me, stock investing probably isn't for you. I would say stick to real estate or stick to starting a business. Yeah, I've um, heard that too. Yeah, and so I failed miserably. But the beauty of, of failure is it's not uh, permanent. You know, it's, it's I mean, I, I kind of view our whole life as one great big experiment. And so that gives you permission to fail because you can just come up with another hypothesis and test it out. And my first hypothesis of I'm smart enough and I'm sophisticated enough to be a you know, successful stock market trader, that turned out to be a wrong hypothesis. <laughs> and so I formed a new one. And that new hypothesis was I'm going to be you know, I'm going to get in, involved into real estate, into income producing uh, real estate. And so I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, people said, why? Why Phoenix? I'd, I'd lived in some really fantastic parts of the world, Seattle, San Diego. I've been to Japan. I grew up in St. Louis, lived in Chicago. 
Uh, Phoenix happened to be one of the worst real estate markets in 2009, which was when shortly after I got out of the military. And um, so I, I, I moved to where I perceived there to be an opportunity. You know, it was very much contrarian style or, or even kind of Warren Buffett style. It's when everyone tells you to do something, uh, I frequently did the opposite. Now, often, so in, often in life that caused a lot of heartache and a lot of problems. Um, and, and that kind of thought process or that behavior pattern is, is frequently you know, stymied in, in our culture and our society. But as a matter of fact, I now encourage that. Um, not only do I cultivate that in myself, but I encourage it in others. Um, if you want to go against the grain, do your thing. Go against the grain. And that actually worked out really, really well for me because when I moved there in 2009 and I said, I'm getting into real estate, everyone said, you know, oh, real estate's in the dumps. You're not going to make any money. Isn't that really risky? And, you know, my thought process was, what are you doing? You know, you're working for a company that just laid off a thousand people and you have no control over your life or your financial independence, and you're supposed to work till you're 65, and what I'm doing is risky, you know? So, so I thought the opposite was true. I thought everyone else was taking a bigger risk than me because worst case scenario for me is I failed, and then I tried again, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas the, these people that, that have these you know, really long careers and then they get laid off at 40 or 50 or whatever age that might be, and then they're completely wiped out. With a promised pension that doesn't come Yeah, through. yeah, and then you know, the companies you know, declare bankruptcy, wipe out the pension, and then the, mm -hmm. the, the CEOs are guaranteed a golden parachute mm -hmm. of $20 million, and then you know, the, all the workers get laid off. It's yeah. a really sad, I think, uh, uh, situation. So I moved to Arizona, I got into real estate, I could get into the whole myriad of reasons why I think real estate is an absolutely fantastic investment. You know, still, you still think so, that? Absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, there are certain markets that are perhaps a little uh, heated, but I think you can find a good deal anytime, you know, and, and what you don't want to try and do is find someone that is potentially um, uh, doesn't need to sell. That's not the right person to try and buy a property from. You want to find somebody that has to sell for whatever reason. It could be a bank that, that had to foreclose on a property, or it could be, um, uh, you know, a partnership is, is breaking up and they've decided to sell the property or someone's moving away or you know somebody that knows somebody that just needs to sell something quick and they're just looking to get a deal done but yeah you can always find a good deal and and one little um, caveat there is the money is made in real estate not when you sell but when you buy right hmm. if you don't buy right you're buried from day one right but if you buy right if you buy at the right price or at the right terms which could be, uh, you know, somebody gives you an option to buy a house in six months after you've had a chance to fix it up or after you've had a chance to uh, put together some development plans or an investor group or whatever that might be. But the money is made when you buy and you'll always be able to find good deals, um, good, good opportunities. So how, if there, there are people who may be interested in that, but they might be thinking, well, I don't have the money up front to even buy to buy a property in the first place. And, and I think that that is absolutely uh, a potentially valid um, uh, obstacle, but it's only as big of an obstacle as you make it. Yeah. I, I choose to make it the size of an anthill. You know, at the end of the day, if you, if you open your mind to opportunities and that opportunity presents itself all, with almost anything else in life, you'll find the money. Okay, if somebody were to come to me now with absolutely no money, but they had a fantastic opportunity, a fantastic real estate deal, 
I would put up all the money and I would give them a slice of the pie, hmm. you know. And so this would angel give angel investor. Yeah, to an extent, <laughs> an angel investor or you know private money uh, investor or a participating loan. You know what I might do is I might structure it where I make. I make them the loan mm. and they pay me back my loan with interest and I get a piece of the profit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the old adage of, well, I don't have the money or it takes money to make money. I would say, you're just creating an obstacle for yourself. Don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. get in the mindset of abundance and get in the mindset of, you know, you will find the money. It's much like climbing a mountain or, or mm -hmm. anything else really for that matter is, I don't know how to get to the summit. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys when they climbed Everest, they didn't know how to get to the summit, but they knew if they just kept putting one foot in front of the other, eventually they would be there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, first and foremost, open your mind to the possibility. And then once you do that, open your mind, start verbalizing it. Start saying to people, I'm going to become a successful blank, whatever that is. And then what happens is you've now done something. You've, you've manifested those words. Those words are real, exactly. Yeah, you've you've put happened. it out into the universe, into the world, and now other people hear that. And if, let's say, you, you wanted to be a successful real estate investor and you say, I'm going to be a successful real estate investor, and you just happen to be talking to somebody, they might say, oh, I know somebody who's looking to partner, or yeah. oh, I know someone that's looking to sell a house fast because they're moving to you know California, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And by manifesting those, those words into reality, mm -hmm. you open doors, and that's really been the secret for me, is I moved to Arizona, $80,000 uh, in debt, I was 24, wow. I was nobody, I knew nobody, you know, I had nothing going for me, and in a matter of, you know, five, six years, I was totally financially independent, and now, as you just mentioned, I'm building a, a dream home in Costa Rica with my amazing wife, and life's about as good as it could imagine. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible, it really is. I mean, one, when I, one thing I was thinking of is, which I've talked to my sister about, Joanna, is um, seeing the end result in first. Mm-hmm. And then working backwards. Yeah. So that's that sounds like that's what you did. You saw where you wanted to be instead of like worrying about, well, I don't see how this is going to work out. Like each step along the way, you, well, that step looks broken. How am I going to get over that step? Yeah, yeah. You saw the end result and that fueled you. And then you let you opened yourself to the rest and then the magic happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like anything else in life, you know, I don't know how you might graduate college or how to climb the top of a mountain or how to do stuff. But once you put yourself in the arena, half the time you figure it out anyway. I mean, you're a parent. Ask any other parent. Hey, did you know everything there was to know about parenting? Did you know how to raise a kid? And and candidly, I think almost every single person would say no. And yeah. what I what I did know turned out to be wrong. Well, as for parenting, <laughs> it's I mean, like with anything, it's there's so much noise. I mean, with finance, world of finances, with the world of investing, maybe even with real estate, there's so many people that put out work, like books or videos or advice, and it gets to be overwhelming. Yeah. And I think, you know, I work with people who read a lot of that stuff, and then just, you kind of almost get paralyzed to a point, because there's so much information coming at you. But I, you know, I will say to people, and I'm wondering what you think, like, just pick one thing you really like, one book, and just use that, you know, and just, or, you know, instead of devouring all these different things. So on that note, is there one book or resource that really kind of transformed your thinking that you might recommend to people? <laughs> you know, I think first and foremost, uh, I really like, well, there's a handful of books. Yeah. And none of them get into the technicals of real estate or investing or anything else. They, they, wealth is not 
um, made, wealth is created. And you create it first and foremost in your mind. And I really like, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon yes. Hill's fantastic. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki does a good one, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And there's a myriad of other books. You know, if you look in the back of these these books, there's book lists. There's, there's a lot of great books. Yep. But, you know, people always ask me, Thomas, show me what you did. Teach me how to become rich or financially independent. And I, I echo what I just said, and that is that financial independence begins in the mind. You, you must first see your end. You must see yourself uh, living the life that you want. And then that path manifests itself before you. Yeah. And so before we get into all the different technical terms and the jargon and the deal structure and the financing of it yes. and how to do all this stuff, first and foremost, you just need to really believe that there is a different way. And that, that I think, is, is the biggest lesson, whether it's investing in real estate or becoming a world-class ballet dancer or just a good person. You know, you have to believe that that potential reality or that possibility is in fact true. And then once it becomes true, you're able to, you know, make that real. And I, I totally believe that. Um, something that I have experienced in my own life, and I've noticed other people experience so too, is they start to get frustrated when they're like, well, you know, it sounds like the law of attraction and you know, the field, the personal development field around the law of attraction has exploded. But it, I get a little frustrated with it because I feel like it's only talking about one piece of the puzzle, which is you just believe it and it'll come. And I experience it in my own life. But I think there's another piece to it, too, which I know you think as well, But that, which is that we have lessons to learn in our lives. Yeah. And sometimes the ego comes in and the ego is like, oh, I can get a million dollars. Great. That's awesome. Then I'm going to buy a big house. I'm going to get a bunch of cars. And so then it becomes like almost little deviating from like your what your higher self wants with for you and yeah. and so I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that like did that come into play with you like did the ego ever come into you and how did you you know well, the lesson did you have some lessons you had to learn yeah absolutely <laughs> you know I would say f- just kind of touching on that point is uh, you have to learn those lessons. You you have to learn those because if you don't and I and I or somebody else just writes you a million dollar check I can say with almost 100% certainty that a year or five years from now, you won't have that money and you'll be back in whatever situation you're in. You have to get the lessons along the way in order to keep the money. And so, yeah, egos, as we just talked about, I borrowed $30,000 from from a couple of banks when I was a young guy and I turned that into $150,000. And you can imagine what that would do to a 22, 23-year-old guy's ego. Um, <laughs> It just, it, my head ballooned to the size of a blimp. Yeah. And then I promptly lost all of that money yeah, and I was in like, debt. See ya. Yeah, this exactly. This is your lesson, Thomas. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, there was a couple of things there that I learned. And one, that's failure is okay. You know, it's not a big deal. You can fail. It's not, it's not about failing. It's about, you know, learning the lessons that are there to be learned. And, and failing at such a young age was, was a wonderful, amazing experience because it taught me that, you know, hey, you can get back up, you can dust yourself off, and you can keep going. But what else it did is through that failure, I learned what not to do or what to do. And I learned about myself, and I learned to put my ego aside, and I learned that I wasn't brilliant. I wasn't some incredible, you know, savvy, stock-picking guru. Uh, I learned that I just got a little lucky, and, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't appropriately um, protect myself. And so 
through those trials and tribulations I've learned and, and through those learning experiences, um, I now have the knowledge base to keep the money that I have. You know, I would, I would tell this to anybody. It's not necessarily about making money. Making money is actually easier than, than you might think once you start manifesting that reality. Mm-hmm. It's keeping the money that is exceedingly <laughs> difficult. Interesting. Yeah. That's very, that's, that's very true. Um, you know, I think just what you said was so helpful. I think what, I, you know, what, what a lot of people tend to do is when we do fail, that ego part of us will be like, see, you're a failure, you know, you can't do it right. You know, mm-hmm. it can say horrible mm-hmm. things to us in our head. Like, oh, man, you, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. <laughs> Because right. I know all of my own secrets. I know all of my skeletons. You know, I know all yeah. of that stuff. So how do you get over that? <laughs> yeah, you. I think. I think. As I just said, you know, I'm. I'm my own worst critic. I'm also my own biggest champion. Right. You know, there's. There's nobody else out there. Perhaps, you know, with the exception of perhaps my wife, but there's nobody else out there that's my my you know, bigger cheerleader. And you have to do some positive reinforcement. If you don't believe that you can do it then nobody else is going to believe it. Why should they? Why would they? You know, if, if you're going in for brain surgery and a doctor says, well, you know, I think I think I can do this, you would probably turn around and walk <laughs> out of the room. a different doctor. Exactly. Right? And so um, whether it's writing yourself notes, you know, on little post-its or getting some soap and, and writing in the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, things that you want to be, you know, I, w- I would uh, re- get soap, kind of like the Truman Show. If you've ever seen the Truman Show, Jim Carrey pretends to be an astronaut. You know, he gets <laughs> the soap and draws it on the mirror. <laughs> well, I would get the soap and I would draw on the mirror, you know, you're a successful real estate investor mm. on one side. So it's financially based on one side of the mirror. You're a successful real estate investor. You know, you, you uh, have good connections that, that help you succeed. And that's the present tense, which I think is interesting. Exactly. Like, as if it's happening right now. Right. It yeah. is. It is. Uh-huh. And and then on the other side, it was things like about me personally. You know, you're a kind person. You're a good person. You're, you're patient. You're empathetic. You're caring. You're compassionate. And seeing these things, uh, you might not consciously realize the impact that they have. But over time this positive self-reinforcement really, really works wonders. You know, I've, I've certainly been depressed in life and I've been in sad situations where, you know, I contemplated, is this life worth it? Or, mm-hmm. you know, things that I did that I felt guilty or regretted in the past and mm-hmm. getting over those and, and realizing, yeah. yeah, yeah. And getting over those and realizing that, um, you know, there, there, there's, Today is the only promised day. Whatever happened in the past is over. And whatever you want to manifest for tomorrow can be uh, your new reality. You know, if you want to wake up tomorrow and be um, whatever person you want to be, a kind, compassionate, caring, trusting, honest, loyal person, that's exactly who you can be. Um, What happens is that some people get stuck in that place and it's like becomes this false story that we carry with us about ourselves. Like, this is who I am and this is... and but. When we shift, it's almost like tricking yourself into, you know, you, you trick your you trick yourself into believing something that's mm-hmm. true in the present, even if you don't believe it necessarily at your core, like over time. And now I remember what I was thinking, which is it takes time. It doesn't happen yeah. overnight. And that we often in our society expect the short term, oh, tomorrow I'm going <laughs> to, and we get frustrated, yeah. we get impatient. Yeah, right? instant, instant <laughs> gratification, you know, the, the, the society of 30 second, you know, video clips or whatever it might be. Um, not only is that true, I think on a personal level, a financial level, a relationship level, you know, it's, it's true across the board. The earth changes slowly. We as people change slowly. Society changes slowly. Flowers take time to grow. Yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) and to expect something 
otherwise is not realistic and it's it's borderline a little foolish and or naive just because that's not how the universe works and and I would just caution anybody out there if if you think that there's a get rich quick scheme or a come to this weekend retreat and you're going to be a better person, you know, on Sunday, that's not true. It's not real. But what you can do is most importantly is you can change your course. You can change your trajectory in life. And that's the biggest most important lesson is is just start making progress. Start, you know, again, putting one foot in front of the other or start changing your course and you'll get to where you want to be. It might not happen on the timeline that you want. It took me years and years just to get out of debt. It took me about three years just to get out of debt wow. uh, and, and when I started. But then, you know, once I got out of debt, um, it started happening. Uh, my, my financial independence started happening at an accelerating rate, faster and faster and faster. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of how life will be is every year that you live, you learn more and you experience more and you're probably smarter or at least more knowledgeable this year as compared to, to last year. Yeah. And so, you know, making those changes, I'm not necessarily my dream person and I'm not necessarily living the ideal life for me. I'm living a fantastic, absolutely wonderful life, but I always am striving to improve myself, you know, constantly. It might be little changes, you know. Otherwise you wouldn't be human. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and and so, um, you know, be be thoughtful and be, be uh, wary of anybody that's promising instant gratification because the only instant gratification that's happening in that is them and their bank account when you write them a check or when you buy their, their course or their services, that's the instant gratification. <laughs> it's for them, not for you. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. be you know weary of that. Yeah. So what you know, what I'm just curious two things about your plans and your life, and then um, any last words of wisdom, either one. Yeah. <laughs> well, my plans in or life. Your vision. Yeah, my vision. I envision a world this this absolutely be- uh, beautiful, uh, pale blue and green dot, mm-hmm. and I I have a vision uh, of of the world in which. Um, I'm a bit of a technology buff, not qu- quite as far out there as, as some of the real leaders in technology, but I envision a world in which we've figured out clean, cheap, renewable, abundant energy equality for everyone. Um, I've, I envision a world in which we've, again, figured out energy uh, to the point where we build desalination plants along the coast, especially in arid environments like the southwest United States or Australia or uh, um various parts of South America and we build these desalination plants and we, or, or even the Mediterranean the Sahara Desert and we build these desalination plants we pump uh, you know potable water inland freshwater inland and we begin reforesting uh, reforestation efforts mm-hmm. you know right now there's a big problem of the desertification of, of Africa you know the Sahara is gobbling up miles and miles of land every year growing in size and I envision this, this world in which we have figured out water. There is no shortage of water. There's, you know, the, the surface of the earth is three quarters of water. And there's no shortage of water. There's a shortage of clean water. Yeah. And then there's uh, an issue with the location, transportation, and storage of water. And so I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm envisioning a future, and this might take 50 or 100 or even several hundred years, but where we build these desalination plants and we're, we're pumping this potable water inland and we're reforesting and biodiversity is increasing and our agri- agricultural uh, 
yields are increasing and we've got now more natural resources. We've got wood, you know, timber uh, to be used for building. We've got uh, uh, carb we're sequestering carbon in these mm -hmm. new forests that are growing. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, you know, again, reducing the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. We're cooling the planet in the process. And so I envision a world in which food is more abundant. Yeah. Um, you and you're know, personally working towards some yeah, of these things. Yeah, saving some of my real estate projects. But, you know, this would, this would uh, solve a lot of conflict, I think, in, in our, our uh, current civilization. You know, we've got conflict over things like oil, which, uh, you know, sadly, I think that I probably participated in unknowingly, uh, you know, my presence in Iraq um, in the early 2000s. Um, but, you know, there's, there's conflict over oil or uh, food or water or whatever this might be, you know, through this, this vision that I have of, of the future, um, hopefully a lot of those reasons for conflict have been mitigated. I mean, right now, Syria, what's going on in Syria was actually caused by climate change. It was caused by a drought mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, basically pushed a lot of farmers whose crops failed into the cities. There was civil unrest, political turmoil, and, you know, all it takes is one little spark when you're surrounded by TNT to have you know tons of conflict and, and, and a human tragedy on a massive scale. Mm, it happens and, all over. And so, you know, I envision a world of, of abundance and it's not going to be a smooth, easy road getting there. We're going to have policy that gets in the way and we're going to have foul play that gets in the way and we're going to have, you know, fossil fuel interests that get in the way. You know, I don't necessarily believe that we're just going to be able to turn off all the coal-fired power plants uh, in, in one day. That's not realistic. But I do think that we should be aggressively and actively, much like Germany did with solar and wind, pursuing mm -hmm. clean, renewable energy. I think energy truly is the uh, uh, key to living the 21st century life that, that human civilization should be living. Mm -hmm. What do you think that a per somebody who wants to make a, do something small in their life, now what are a couple of things they can do to move towards a sustainable earth, towards that vision that you talk about? Well, I, I would say, you know, again, it all starts in the mind. Right. You know, what, what do you see is the future that you want? And, you know, I see a future that everyone has all the food that they want or need and everyone has shelter and everyone has all of these things. But um, what, what they can do is they can be an advocate. I think that's the biggest thing that, that any one person can do. You know, there's some absolute massive industries of Titan, or excuse me, Titan Titans of industry like Elon Musk, these guys that are changing the transportation industry, the, the battery storage uh, industry. He's going to Mars um, and he's just one person. There's a lot of great people that are working in policy and industry and elsewhere. But what is more important than anything is this public opinion, this groundswell of support for better policy. You know, I, I recently just bought a whole bunch of new LED lights. Now, um, there's nothing particularly fantastic about buying these new LED lights, except for what I did was I voted. I voted with my dollars. I voted with my voice. I voted with my opinion. If we, as a society, start voting with our dollars and we start supporting these new technologies. As consumers, you As mean. consumers, yes. yeah. yeah. As consumers. If we start voting for these new technologies and we start voting for these, these better policies and we express our, our support, 
uh, we will just continue to move in that direction. There's early adopters, there's the mass, and then there's the late adopters. And I would say do your best to be an early adopter, or at least be in, in the you know mass adopters. You know, don't fight it. Let's let's adopt a better world uh, as quick as we can and move yeah. in that direction. Like so, you know, little you choose to buy something local, or you choose to buy something that's shipped from China. You know, it's, and yeah, you can make small choices. So what? And so in terms of um, back to you know, people's individual actions and getting where they want to be in their life and where they want to, you know, because if the earth has to be around for future generations, well, the we earth want to will get to be around. We, yeah, right. the earth will well, be around. I'm worried around. about humanity. I know. Yeah, it yeah. comes in both ways, but that's why I love, and I'm going to make another plug for Joanna Macy here, who's somebody I'm going to be learning from because it's the tie, it's one of many people like you who are tying in our individual you know, self-actualization as people and then as um, humanity living on Earth. And mm-hmm. But anyway, in terms, of, in terms of individual actions people can take in their own life to find a place of alignment, of fulfillment, of meaning, purpose, um, any, you know, last words of advice you might have for somebody who sees what you've done and yeah. where, what kind of life you're living and wants to take one step today or two steps today to get there find your bliss you know and do that and that is the best advice that that i can give anybody you know truly my bliss is uh giving and uh to others and um adrenaline or, or or adventure uh sports and activities i like to skydive i like to surf scuba dive i like to go base jumping uh put on a wingsuit and go for a flight um that's me and my bliss and or working on um, you know sustainable real estate projects and, and renewable energy projects that's my bliss if your bliss is being a nurse do that if your bliss is being an artist do that you know and and have this abundance mindset you don't necessarily have to do what I did you don't have to get into real estate but just do a couple of things one find your bliss and do your bliss that way if if you know your life were to end today you would be doing something that you enjoyed and you would have spent the last year or 10 or 20 or 50 years doing what you enjoy. There's no sense in working in something that you hate mm-hmm. for you know, money or for some end goal and then you know, your life's cut short. So what was it all for anyway? If, you know, if, Out of if, fear of losing something. It's, yeah. it's a fear-based thing, right? Yeah, so find, <laughs> you know, find your bliss. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then the other thing would be to um, start doing something. Um, and this is this is financially I'm talking about and that start doing something can be as simple as saving a little bit of money or reading a a financial literacy book or instead of buying that new TV paying off your credit card whatever it might be um, you know listen slavery modern-day slavery exists and not only does it exist in, in a myriad of ways from you know human trafficking to agricultural migrant worker actual slave labor but it also exists in, in much more uh, un, unseen ways like financial bondage you know student debt yeah. mortgages credit card debt all of these other things that are closing people trapping them if not only mentally um, you know, start actively growing your mind and reading and educating yourself because knowledge truly is power. And when we as a people, uh, you know, pursue that knowledge, we have the power. Mm, Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Thomas, for your time and 
your life story, which is really inspiring to me and I know for many others as well. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do to continue to impact uh, people's lives and, and be our uh, spiritual and financial and, and otherwise Sherpa in life. Wow. I never thought of it that way, but I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, good. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the Courageous Path podcast, and don't forget to subscribe or follow it here. To learn more about me, you can find me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com, and I'm Rachel Horton-White of Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.